Welcome to the Beltway Outsiders Podcast. I'm your host, Daniel Vaughn. I'm a lawyer, columnist for the Conservative Institute, and a contributor at places like The Dispatch, and I am here this week with another reaction episode, this week to the vice presidential debate. I mentioned in the newsletter I was thinking of doing one of these, I was kind of going to wait and see, just kind of to see if the debate was interesting enough to do one of these, and after watching it, I thought it was more than exciting enough to do one of these. Even though I don't think it's going to fundamentally change anything in the race, it did go into a lot of topics that are worth talking about and sort of mentioning. So this is that episode, and we're just going to jump right into it. So this was the vice presidential debate between Vice President Mike Pence and vice presidential nominee for the Democrats, Kamala Harris. So right off the top, this debate will be remembered for one thing, for better or for worse. People will refer to this as the fly debate. And that's because a fly ended up landing on Vice President Pence's head during the middle of the debate. And because he has all white hair, that fly really stood out. So that's what people are going to call this one. It even stayed there for a while. For a while, I thought it had died and just landed there because it wasn't moving at all. Uh, Maybe it got stuck in hairspray. Who knows? Uh, But in any event, this will be called the fly debate. The vice presidential fly debate. But other than that... For these debates, especially when you compare it to the first one, this one was far more substantive in just in fact that they were making whole arguments in sentence form that you could understand because Trump and Biden, they're well known for just word salad sentences and Pence and Harris, they are actually capable of stringing together a lot of words together that make sense when you hear them as a human speaker. So overall... Just from the from the outset, like the first debate where I said Trump won, mainly because he, he controlled it and controlled every aspect of it. In this one, Pence did the same thing and controlled the debate, had better answers all the way throughout. And for the most part, Harris, pull, she was either pulling her punches or she couldn't land any because she was a bad debater. Now, we saw Harris over the summer, last summer, when she was in the primaries, and that was, you know, when she was supposed to be all out swinging and going all out for this, and she was an awful debater. After the first outing, when she went after Biden, basically accusing him of being a racist, and vaulted herself into second place in the primaries, she then faded Hard, And that was because she could not withstand a single attack on her. And so in this debate, I was really curious to see more just to see how she was going to do, because they have differing goals. Usually for your vice presidents, when you trot them out there, they're your attack dogs. You need them to go and to attack the other side. But in this debate... That's not really what either of them had as a goal going in. So it's a little bit of a different style of debate on that front because Trump is his own attack dog and Trump attacks, 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 attacks. He's full throttle on that front 24-7. And so what Pence did in this debate, and it's what he did in 2016 too against Tim Kaine, he has to make the positive case for the Trump campaign. He has to be the one to sit there and make, this is the Republican and this is the conservative case for Donald Trump because Trump can't make it himself. He is incapable of making the argument for his own administration. And this came through, I mean, people are going to call this the, the fly debate, but in reality, what this debate was about was about Mike Pence making the case for the Trump administration, and he did that. He made the case. He made the case on every front, and for the most part, it appeared that that surprised Harris because she did not have ready comebacks, ready to answer a lot of, in certain areas, what I would assume to have been layup areas, areas like response to the coronavirus, uh, the climate change, and other things where she should have been able to really have scored some points. She just didn't do it. And so that allowed Mike Pence to run free. Now, I'm going to also mention something else here at the top. There are a lot of people complaining again in this debate about the need to have microphones muted and to prevent people from talking over each other. I maintain that's a really stupid talking point, and if you're talking that after the debate, you think your candidate lost. 
And so all Democrats were talking about was that. And so they thought that Harris was losing because she didn't talk enough. And that's not what happened. We, I, I, there was somebody actually tweeted out an unofficial timekeeping of this. And what they found was that Mike Pence talked for 35 minutes and 22 seconds. Kamala Harris talked for 38 minutes and 48 seconds. And so, and I think it was um, Stephanopoulos on ABC and others, they were saying, well, this was the mansplaining debate. This was where Mike Pence just interrupted and talked over Kamala Harris at every chance that he had. In reality, what was happening is that Harris was getting more time and, and... And Pence was stepping in to answer and bring back. And basically, because the moderator wasn't doing any follow-up questions, he was having to do the follow-up for her, which is what you have to do. This whole, you know, switch and talk about this topic, switch and talk about this topic, is such a bland way to do debates. You need to have these guys and girls to go deep into these topics and attack each other and bring out the differences. You don't just want to sit there and get a boring campaign speech. And so... The the reason that it felt like Pence talked more is because he controlled the debate. Harris was constantly on the defensive from the outset, and that never let up all the way to the end when she got the last say, and Mike Pence still outshone her in that answer. And we'll get to that. I'm going to talk through some of the high points in it. But this notion that this was the mansplaining debate or this was you know, just Pence talking over and doing another Trump, like Trump did to Biden, this was Pence doing to Harris, it's just untrue. And in fact, the moderator, Susan Page, even said that. She was said that, you know, oh, well, you know, Mr. Bi- Mr. Um, uh, you you talked more than Harris here. And so we're going to we have to give her time. And that just wasn't true. It just felt that way to every observer because Pence was the one controlling the tempo of the debate. At no point in time was Harris capable of responding to anything. She was always on the defensive, so it did not feel like she had more time. But from our unofficial timekeeping, that's exactly what happened. She had more time than Pence, which is a very interesting thing to see happen. So that those are the, sort of the top-level things. Pence won this debate. He controlled the tempo. He controlled the topics. He was bouncing from here and there. He was the one who threw the harder hits. And... And just because he is the better debater, that allowed him to win the debate on a debate front. Now, people may have different reactions to this, like they did to Trump, because Trump did the same thing. I said then that he won that debate. He hit harder. He may he should have let Biden talk more and give out some of his word salad responses. But in any event, he controlled that debate. Well, that's exactly what happened here, too. You... It's just that Pence controls a debate differently than Trump. He does it by, you know, manipulating the topics and getting people to talk about different things. And I thought that Harris fell into a lot of the traps that Pence set for her. She would just walk into them. And we'll get into a few of those here. So, but you you kind of have to back up for a second and think, did Harris fail or was this just a purposeful effort on her part to not do anything outlandish? Because... Even I sitting here can sit, can sit here and launch a thousand attacks against the Trump administration on a litany of topics that I thought that they could have landed much harder and much more specifically, and she did not do so. Now, that either didn't happen because she wasn't prepared, and I know that's not the case because she's a prosecutor, and any prosecutor like her is going to be prepared. They're going to hit the books like nothing else. So, but we, but we also know that she's just a bad debater. And so you have that as one possibility, or the campaign set her up and said, listen, we do not want this. We, we think we're up by double digits in all the nation, nationally, and that gets us ahead in all these swing states. So don't do anything that would swing the race. And so she pulled her punches in that regard. So you can take it one or two ways on that front. I thought, I just given the way I would have given Pence at least a B plus, probably an A minus, he could have hit harder in a few areas, and he didn't. He had a few misses. Uh, him talking over her in a few spots looked bad, but overall, you can't. The best grade you could give Harris is about a C. That was about an average performance. It's not as bad. She's had her F performances where she just flat out flunked. A debate. In fact, there's some where she did so bad, she realized she was bad, and she just stopped talking over the summer. So this wasn't one of those. This was a C. She did what she needed to. She took her hit. She took her lumps. She threw a few back. But you're coming out of this debate saying, well, Pence probably won it, but does it change the overall state of the race? And the answer to that is probably not. 
I can't think of a single vice presidential debate that ever turned a race. The most famous one was the one with Dan Quayle when I just forgot his name, but he he told him that you know you're no Jack Kennedy. That is the probably the most famous debate scene of 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 any debate, any presidential or vice presidential debate, and everyone promptly forgot it and didn't and it didn't matter because you know Bush and Quayle rolled to a reelection on the coattails of Reagan. So that was the end of that. So the odds of this mattering are very low, but it was still interesting nonetheless to see everyone take their shots. And it was interesting just to hear, as a conservative myself, to hear a conservative like Pence, because I know he is one, to hear one make the case, make a, a conservative Republican case for Trump, because that's what he did. That was what he set out to do. You could tell very clearly. And that's what he did. And I thought he did it very very well. In fact, he did it so well that Trump should probably consider subbing him in at some point in the future for one of these other presidential debates because Pence is a better debater than Trump. But we shall see. Now, I mean, maybe Trump can say, well, I've got COVID, so we'll just let Pence go do it instead of Biden. Maybe that happens. Who knows? But Pence is by far the better debater. Just for a person who exists in conservative, you know, the conservative area of politics, eats all that up. I thought he did a great job. And Harris was an average version of what she was in the summer. Maybe that was planned. Maybe it wasn't. But it still made Pence look better. So, naturally, the we'll just start and walk through some of my thoughts that I had just going through the debate. So they started out kind of where you would expect on the coronavirus. The moderator, Susan Page, gave the best wishes to Donald Trump and the First Lady, which made sense as well. And then it was a very natural, I thought, a very good opening answer that I thought both candidates should have had a chance to knock out of the park. Because what was the difference between this debate and the the Chris Wallace debate, Wallace asked very pointed questions. And so you, in order to try to keep you into a certain topic, so you, if you were going to bounce outside of it, it looked really bad. Susan Page didn't do that. She effectively asked some of the most open-ended questions. These were not hard. There were some hard edges to these questions, but for the most part, they were pretty soft, and they allowed for open-ended responses to these questions. And so they, they started out naturally going into the response of the of the administration to the coronavirus and then just asking both candidates straight up, what would you what would your response plan be? Trump administration, it looks like we have to have a bad plan here. What are we going to do different if you're reelected? And to Biden Harris, what are you guys doing? And so that is pretty much in a nutshell everything you need to know about the first question. So that was a very open-ended question. And for a politician, you get a question like that. That's a layup. That's sitting up there on a T-ball. And what was kind of amazing about that is that Harris started out, I think she got it first, if I remember right. Yeah, she was first. And she proceeded to launch into a long history of what's happened. And everyone knows what's happened. And I understand why she was doing it, because she was doing that to attack the Trump administration and the response to the coronavirus. But there are ways you could do that while still answering the question, like saying, this is what we would do. We would have we would have done this, and they failed at this, so this is how we would do better. And you could have just walked through it like that. Instead, she purposely evaded it to talk about that. And then on the last like five seconds, literally the last five seconds, that was when she got into the plan for the Biden administration, and the only thing she got out was contact tracing, which set Pence up to then land what was easily the first big hit of the night. The question is, what's your plan? And she didn't answer that question. And so what he did is he drafted off the contact tracing and then kind of what Biden has said in other speeches and then hit them pretty much where I have accused them on this front, that they have copied the Trump plan. All the things that they have said that they would do or want to do is either already been done by the Trump administration or they are actively doing it. Like Biden gave a speech where he was talking, Biden, it was actually a tweet. It was earlier in the day. He talked about the three things he wanted to do was a national mask mandate, speed up uh, vaccination, and it was one other thing had to deal with therapeutics, I think. But if you look at all those three things, one, a national mask mandate is unconstitutional. 
No one can do one of those. So they know that they can't do that. And they've even backed off that in the past. So this is just empty rhetoric. The other two, talking about therapeutics, vaccines, and other things of that nature, has already been in development. And so the hit that Pence said is that when he looks at their plan, that it looks like they're just plagiarizing the Trump administration. And then he gave a side shot at Biden and said he has a past with plagiarism, which is correct. Biden was dinged. It was either in law school or college for plagiarizing an entire paper. And so that was the ding there. He brings that up and hits him here and says he's just doing it again. That was a smart hit. And it hit even harder because Harris never answered the question. It was very evasive. And I understand why she's doing this. This is a very politically motivated thing on her part. Her, What she and Biden are trying to do is saying, okay, we're ahead. We cannot take any strong positions unless they're just focus group tested out the wazoo. So we're not going to claim a single policy. We don't want to say anything that would anger anyone. And so what Pence is trying to do is nail them down and saying, well, you actually said this, and this is pretty extreme. This is pretty extreme. This is pretty extreme because you've got to tie them down and make people to see they're not actually as bland as they say that they are. So that was, that sort of set the tone for the night that Harris was going to refuse to give anything specific. She came back later in in, in the uh, criminal uh, justice reform section and gave some specifics, which was interesting. Uh, but Pence also hit back her on her that there. But for the most part, her choice was to stay as general as possible, accuse Trump of mishandling everything, and never give any specifics. And that's pretty much what she did. But it also got her into trouble because Pence was making very specific attacks. And that was the first one where he says, you guys are plagiarizing. You don't have a plan. Your plan is what we have already said. You just say you want to do some of this stuff faster, which is, I mean, we've named our plan Operation Warp warp speed. So what are you guys going to do that's faster than what we're doing? So I thought that was the first real clean hit of the night was when Pence accused them of plagiarizing the Trump plan and not having a plan overall. That was a pretty nice hit. From there, they bounced into the Rose Garden um, Rose Garden event where the moderator says that this is a potential super spreader event. Now, we don't know that the Amy Coney Barrett nomination, especially the outdoor part of it, we don't know if it's a super spreader event. That is what people believe in media, and it's the most popular belief, even though we don't have a strong basis that that is the cause for what has happened. I, I think there's a plenty of proof because you have a lot of people who were there who got it, but there are also people who were not there who got it as well. So it is a prime area, but it is also not the deciding event, potentially. But anyway, the point was asking Pence and basically the Trump administration, you know, you guys now have the coronavirus running rampant through your administration. What are you guys going to do? And for the most part, Pence sidestepped this. He didn't answer it straight up at all. He talked about believing in the American people and I understand why he was dodging it. Um, but it, it was one of those things where her Harris never really made him pay for it. I thought this was an area where she probably should have stepped in and tried to hit him direct here and said, no, you can say believe in the American people, but you also have to, you know, represent the best behavior that we need to see in these situations. And it was something where she whiffed there as well. And the interesting thing here in all these answers, when they would go to the split screen, she would always be shaking her head no, and she had like this bobblehead look, and trying to show that she was displeased with everything Pence was saying, even even when he was being nice to her. And I thought that was a bad play on her part. She was acting as if she didn't know she was on the camera pretty much the entirety of the debate, and that served her ill in that regard. But that's also nothing new. She did this also in the Democratic primaries, and it cost her there too. The thing about Harris in, in the Democratic primaries is that no one found her likable at all. They didn't they didn't find most of the people in that in that primary likable, if we're being honest. They like Biden all right. They like people like Cory Booker, people who have, you know, actual personalities. They like them, they like Bernie. And it makes sense why you would like these kinds of people. Klobuchar was likable too. But Harris pretty much went out of her way to be unlikable. And one of the mistakes this is an entire aside, but one of the mistakes I thought she made was she hired on a lot of Clinton campaign people, and that was just a hot mess of a mistake because you should not hire any of those people. But that's neither here nor there. So Pence dodges the Rose Garden question, which for him, that's smart to do because there's not a clean answer. But he didn't end up getting, it didn't end up costing him anything because they ended up going back and forth on things that were not related to that, and the moderator never followed up. And that was 
kind of one of the interesting things here. The moderator didn't follow up on really anything when I thought she really could have. She could have come back because they weren't really interrupting that much. You could have gone deeper into some of these things. And it's one of these things about these debates that I just, I hate because they're so superficial. They say they want to cover all these topics when in reality, there's really only one major topic. We should really have one of these debates go full throttle all into this virus and its response. That should just be a debate, or at least like half of a debate. And they want to fit it into these normal 15-minute segments that fit in TV ads and, you know, clips and everything. I just think it's a complete disservice. So in any event, nothing cost pence on that one, and that allowed him to hit this next section because the question then pivoted to if the Rose Garden was their attempt to make Pence look bad, they actually asked an equally harsh question of Harris and asked her about her statements on vaccines. And she went right where everyone thought she was going to go and asked and, and said, you know, well, we trust the science and have all the scientists, you know, Fauci, Burks and all them. If they say the, the vaccine is good, I will take it. But if it's only Trump out there saying it, I'm not going to get it at all. That's pretty much to be expected. And then they quickly bounced off away from that, which I that irked me then. They wanted to bounce from there to another section. So they're basically going to give them their two hard questions and then move on, which if you're just thinking through this thematically, as a journalist, as a person in debate, that makes no sense at all. You, th- these are hard points. You know for a fact, without asking either of them, that both campaigns, they want to talk about the Rose Garden and they want to talk about this vaccine things. The other side doesn't want to talk about these things, but they one side does. And they just tried to bounce off it real quick. And Pence did the smart thing here because they did. They bounced off into, she asked, the, we got into the, I think it was the third and fourth questions here that were just empty, dumb, and meaningless. And because the one, the one was about, you know, have you had a, com- the first dumb question was, I think the third or fourth one. And it was, have you had a conversation with, in Pence's case, Trump, and in Harris's case, Biden, over, you know, what are there going to be a plan of action if, if the top of the ticket can't make it to the, uh, you know, can't make it to through the their term? Is there a plan of action here? Well, the plan of action is pretty easy. We have a plan of succession. And so that is a remarkably stupid question, and both candidates ignored it, and I thought they were well within their right to ignore it. Now, Pence was the first one to ignore it, and he said, he said, well, I'll get to that, but I'm going to go back, and we're going to talk about this vaccine question. And that was, when he said that, I knew, okay, this is where the kill shot's coming here. This is where the second one is. And I was right, because he came back and accused Harris of undermining trust in vaccines, trust in vaccine research, and basically accused her of being anti-vaxxer and anti-science, which was a powerful hit. And he was right to do so because that is, I mean, I've written columns on this. Harris has been, for the most part, anti-vax on this point. And Biden has had to rein her in, reel her back in, and to get her to not do these sorts of things. And so, they never answered this question. They dodged the next question after them that was about, you know, what about the health of your can- of, you know, the top of the ticket? Biden and Trump are both old. We shouldn't the American people, you know, shouldn't they know about their health? And they both said, "Well, yeah, that's important." And gave a not answer and then bounced off into other things. Again, it was a do- dumb question. Neither of them should have answered this question. It didn't matter. I agree with the point of the question. Yes, they're both very old and one of them has now been hospitalized with the coronavirus, so we need to know everything possible about their health. But that's also a layup and an easy question. And if you're going to waste time on it, you might as well bounce off into other things. So this was where I thought the moderator was really bad just because, and there were bad questions because I forget at this point what Pence ended up talking off into, but Kamala Harris ended up going in from health into talking about Trump's taxes and other things. So that allowed you know Pence to come back and talk about the economy. And so all of a sudden in a question about candidate health, we're talking about the economy and jobs, which... For Pence, that's exactly where you want to be. That's that's your bread and butter, and you can beat up Harris all day long on that front. And that's exactly what he ended up doing later on when they were talking about taxes and they got into the economy because they bounced from that. Once they didn't get an answer on that, Susan Page gave up and said, well, okay, we'll just bounce off into the economy since they're already talking about it. So she starts out with Kamala Harris, talks about the economy. Harris gave a thoroughly vanilla bland answer. He was obviously canned. It 
didn't have much heft to it. It didn't have any hits against, you know, it accused the Trump of all the things that you would uh, consider in that area, but there was nothing that really stood out there. And so that's part of the reason why I think their plan was to not do anything that cost them anything. They were very, very vanilla in these areas. And so, but Pence was not. Pence came back again. This was the third big hit of the night where he hit them on taxes and specifically the Trump tax cuts. So what Harris said at one point is that she said on day one, and I honestly, I don't know how he's going to do this because it's a congressionally passed law. It'll take more than one day. But that aside, Biden will roll back the Trump tax cuts. And she even mentioned deficits here, basically talking about how it was wrong and then talking about how the Biden tax plan would be great and help the middle class, yada, 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 yada. And so what Pence did is he noted that line, roll back the Trump tax cuts, and then focused in on it like a laser, and then said, you know, look, both Biden in the first debate and Harris here is saying that they're going to roll back taxes, so your taxes will go up. That is a tax increase on you, and that is a true point. If you roll these back, that is a tax increase. If you're going to do that, you have to say, well, we're going to replace it, but that's not how they're pitching it. It's kind of like Obamacare. You have to kind of pitch it as a a, a repeal and replace. They're only talking about repealing the Trump tax cut. So that gave gave Pence a baseball bat, a barbed wire-covered baseball bat, where he laid into Harris. I mean, just absolutely laid into her for this point, saying, you just said it. You just said this point. You can't say you're not going to raise taxes because if you're going to repeal a tax cut, then by just a fact, you're raising taxes. And he beat her relentlessly here. It was probably the harshest attack of the night. And I don't think she really ever recovered because even when she did respond, he came back and said, well, you said it. You literally said this point. And then so she again gave him a club to beat them with. And so that was you know, sort of the first part of the debate here, where you kind of get into, you're talking about the virus, you're talking about the economy. Pence made, did, what Pence did here is he did what no one, including the president, no one in the Trump administration has done. He made the case that the Trump administration has responded, they have done things, and what we've done so far is remarkable. And there is a case to be made there. I've even written about some of this. The things that the American people have done in response to this is remarkable. And there are going to be volumes of books written about all the different things that we have done as a people to respond to this virus. We've still had a lot of people die, but the response has been spectacular when you actually start documenting all the various things that we as a people have done. The failures have come from the top, without a question. But there is a case for positivity to be made here on what we have done. And Pence was making that case. And if you're the Biden camp, that does put you in the uncomfortable position of having to say, well, no, the American people didn't do as much. What they should be doing is acknowledging, yes, the American people did this, but they had to do this. They didn't have a choice because the Trump administration had all these different mess-ups. But instead, for whatever reason, the Biden campaign has fallen back on their their laurels of just attacking anything positive, saying everything's terrible and that they'll do better doing the exact, and their plan is whatever the Trump administration is doing right now. So it's a bizarre tact that they're taking when there are far more, they're just better arguments that you can make here. You could say, you know, as, as I just mentioned, the reason the American people had to do great miraculous things is because their president wasn't capable of doing those things and failed them on a number of fronts. That's the attack. It is a hard-hitting attack that either they can't make or they don't want to make or they don't understand how to make. So it was another point where Pence somehow, bizarrely, Pence won on the coronavirus section and also on the economy section. So it was really interesting, an area where you should expect a loss for the Trump administration. They didn't have that happen in this debate. So, And then the next segment was on climate change. And here I thought Pence was very clever. He was very clever here because usually in these debates, when you have the journalists and you have Democrats on the stage, what they want to do is to talk about how much Republicans don't believe in the science around climate change and don't believe anything of that nature. And I thought it was actually notable at, at one point during the back and forth, Pence, Pence said, the climate is changing, and then went on to all the things that we were doing. What he did that was clever, though, was that he hit Harris and baited her into going into economic arguments instead of talking through normal climate hits. 
which is where she normally we would normally expect her to go. So he he gave, Pence made the case for you know this is all the stuff we've done on conservation and the climate, et cetera, et cetera. And they have done some things, and the numbers are better. And Kamala Harris gave her blanket response. What Pence then did is he hit her on fracking, which is a very big issue, especially when you're talking about Western Pennsylvania, because but he's right. Both Biden and Harris have talked about getting rid of fracking. They said it all through the debates. These have been in numerous Republican tack ads. It's fact-checked true. You can go watch the old debate clips yourself. Some of them are even town hall settings. Biden said this over and over again. He wins the primary. He immediately flips on this question and says, I'm not going to get rid of fracking. Because if he says that, he knows he's going to lose the rural parts of western Pennsylvania where fracking has created countless jobs. And people who lost their jobs in manufacturing are now working in these fracking industries. And it's created a ton of wealth, and it's made America energy independent and helped clean up the environment because we're on a cleaner form of energy, which is natural gas. So fracking and the revolution that it has ushered into America is an unmitigated just wealth for for us on you know energy independence and everything. And when it really got kicking, that was when gas prices really dropped for America. And in fact, it is so important to America, it's not just important on jobs and the economy. It's important to our, our national security because the Saudis and the Russians have both, the reason you've experienced you know, a, a drop in gas prices is because the Saudis and the Russians have tried to cut prices on oil so much that they're trying to drive these American companies out of the market entirely. And so that's how important fracking is. It's not just an environmental issue. This is a national security issue because these are the countries they want us to buy from them. When we have these technologies that cheapens the price of it and allows us to make this for ourselves, we become energy independent and it's a cleaner thing. So it's this, this two-pronged attack here that we really do need actually need this and the democratic attacks on this are utterly nonsensical. And they know it. That's why they were trying to back off here. And that's why Pence made a point of hitting this point. They're so saying, well, you just go watch the video. And he's right. You can go watch the video and watch Kamala Harris and Joe Biden talk about ending fracking. But the other point here is that he baited her into talking about economic matters in the climate change section. So it immediately took her off what should have been her bread and butter and took it back to the econo- economic section and allowed him to hammer her again on this front. And she took the bait. She said, well, if you want to talk about jobs in the economy, let's talk about jobs in the economy. And that was where she lost this section of the debate as well. And it was fascinating to me that she took that debate. I understand on one part, she has to make that case, but she also lost the part where she could have really hammered the Trump administration. And none of the other attacks that she made, while I know some of the attacks that she was making, you would have to be on Twitter to know some of these things that she was making a big deal out of. And so it was a missed, another missed opportunity for her where she, you know, she would do, in every one of these sections where she would whiff really hard, she'd be sitting there making all these facial expressions, nodding her head, bobbing her head like a bobblehead at all. And then she would go in for the answer like she was going to come in for the kill. And she would always whiff. Almost every single time, she didn't have anything here. And so, you know, this keeps going. So we're about halfway through the debate at this point. They go from climate change, they go then from into the uh, the trade war. And this is an area where I thought Harris could have hit harder because Trump's initial trade war on China was just an unmitigated disaster. He's right that we need all these tariffs and things now to attack them and get back at them on, on all the coronavirus and all the problems they released across the globe with this thing. And he tried to, Pence tried to make connect this to the coronavirus, but he did it so late. So I thought this was an area that was a real miss for them where he could have connected this back to Biden a little bit better. And she should have, she should have pushed, she, she made, Kamala Harris made some direct hits here talking about the job losses and some of the more expenses that we've had on the tariffs. But they weren't clean hits, and Pence could have made connected this more as a deal with China because they had back-to-back sections here where you're talking about trade and you're talking about China. And this is where I thought they got a little bit muddled here. And so they neither of them really had an answer on trade. And I mean, really, if we're being honest here, the number of people who are voting on trade is not that high. So it's not that big of a deal that either of them had a very big, big issue here. Um, Pence did have one of his better in the lines of the night here, where he said that, you know, 
Donald Trump is fighting a trade war and you can't say that Joe Biden is against it because Joe Biden never even tried to fight a trade war with China. He never dealt with China. That was a pretty strong attack, but it was one he needed to make a little bit more explicit and clear, I thought. So from there, they decided to jump into foreign policy and the line that everyone on the right, especially the foreign policy right, is going to talk about is Kamala Harris's answer that Joe Biden tells her that foreign policy, well, it's all about relationships. And that's so untrue and so utterly laughable. It's just a joke. And if that is what Joe Biden actually believes, it probably explains why for 47 years Joe Biden has been somehow or another, Joe Biden has managed to be wrong on every last single foreign policy decision in any administration. It's it's actually uncanny if you go back. You can go back and look at Joe Biden saying he wasn't for the strike on, Obama, on Osama bin Laden. Obama was. It's because Obama was a sane human being who said, oh, Osama bin Laden, yeah, let's kill him. Biden's like, well, I don't know. Same thing with Soleimani, this Iranian general. Biden didn't like that, neither did Harris, but it was an unmitigated success for the Trump administration. And so the the foreign policy segment hurt Harris only so far as that she doesn't have any substance here. Foreign policy is not her forte. She's never been able to argue on foreign policy. And so what Pence did is he did what he did during the coronavirus section. He made the affirmative conservative case for cons- for Donald Trump on foreign policy, and that is he he attacked and got rid of help get rid of ISIS. He established the embassy in Jerusalem. You have all these peace deals now across the Middle East. So there is a there is a very much a distinct case for Trump on the middle middle especially in the Middle East for what he's done. And I, you know, the big thing here is obviously China, which neither of them really got into to an extent that I thought was warranted. Again, you could really just spend two whole debates talking about nothing about the virus in China, and it would be warranted. Because those are our two major issues. Harris tried to talk about Russia and some of these other things. The thing about Russia is, and what I thought Pitts should have done, is that he he could have hit her and said, well, all these problems with Russia came up under the Biden and Obama administration, and all that meddling that you're talking about this bad, well, they didn't think it was that big of a deal, and they didn't do anything, which would also be true. Obama didn't do anything about this until after the election. And so a lot of this, there could have been harder punches thrown, but neither of them are really foreign policy savants, so it kind of fell. They both want to stay on domestic issues and civil rights, which then led into the next section talking about the Supreme Court, which is probably going to be... If I had to pick a moment from the night, it would be the Supreme Court section. They both talked about the Supreme Court a little bit, you know, Pence obviously went into Amy Coney Barrett and, and some other things, but you didn't get the real fireworks until the end of this section when Pence did, when Pence was asked about abortion and purposely skipped over it, but went back and hit Harris on the notion of court packing. And court packing is the, the idea that you're going to expand the Supreme Court from nine seats to more than likely 11, and what Democrats would do is they would expand that because they would say Republicans have an unfair advantage, and so we're going to put two more on here and make them liberal to make this a more fair court. It's an old thing. I've written about it. It is an extreme and radical position because you're saying we have lost, and we obviously think that Supreme Court is a legislative branch, and we want to have our legislators on it. It is the kind of thing that holds the institution of the United States in utter disregard. It's extreme, radical, and there's a reason that even FDR backed down from this. And so Biden dodged this question in the first debate. I thought Trump made a mistake in that debate of not circling back and noting that Biden didn't answer the question. Wallace tried to, but Trump didn't allow any of that to happen. Well, that didn't happen this time. This time, Pence made it an issue and said, she hasn't answered this question. Are they going to make court packing an issue? Are they going to pack the court if they are elected? And Kamala Harris had two chances at this. The first time she just totally, you know, she purposely whiffed. She didn't answer it at all. She talked about history. She talked about other things and everything else. And so, you know, they, Susan Page tried to move on and she was dumb for doing so because this was obviously a key point of the night. And Pence was the one who came back and said, I just want to note, she didn't answer it. She didn't actually answer this question, which made Harris irate. 
And she pretended like she was irate. And she's like, okay, well, you want to talk about it? We'll talk about it. And so then she spun it and tried to say that, well, if you want to talk about court packing, you guys are the ones that are are court packing because you're just putting the insinuation here. She played a race card here, insinuating that everyone that Trump administration has put on the courts is white and racist. Again, though, this was a dodge. And it's a very interesting dodge because she's alleging that Trump is, quote unquote, packing the court here. And that's true insofar that there are vacancies and the Trump administration is filling them. But that's about all that's happening there. This could have happened under the Obama administration, but they didn't do that. And that's because the Democratic Party, even though they make a big deal about the courts, does not vote based on the Supreme Court. That's neither here nor there. So she whiffs twice. And the interesting thing about this is that she invokes Abraham Lincoln here. And she does so to say, you know, honest Abe did X, Y, and Z. And we need to do the same thing as him. But then she can't be the same as honest Abe and answer this question. And Pence was right to come back and hit again and say, well, she's refused to answer the question. I want the record to note that she has refused to answer the question. And to the American people, you should know. This is what they're going to do. If they can't answer the question, that means they're going to pack the court. That is the implication here. And he's right. That is the implication here, that they're going to pack the court. So that was probably the moment of the night. You could probably make a case for Harris. Her next moment came in the next segment after this. And so if you're you're talking about her, her, the, the best point for her came... Her attempt to jujitsu the whole court packing thing was clever and obviously planned. She didn't want to use it unless she got pinned, and she got pinned, and so she brought it out. Whether or not that actually works, I don't know. I thought it was pretty weak because even if you're going to make that your argument, you it, it just doesn't work as an answer to, are you going to do this? And the implication is, yes, they're going to. So in the next section after that, they went into Breonna Taylor, the woman who was shot and murdered in in uh, Louisville uh, by police. Well, I say murder. It was, um, she. one of the policemen was cleared um, by the grand jury. And I thought, and this, this was basically, here's this story. This is a sad story. We have that, and you have uh, all the rights and everything and all of the, all the things, the George Floyd case and all that put together. What's your spill on this? Harris actually had a pretty decent section here. I thought she went into some, she started out talking vague and talking about how we needed reform and then went into some specific things. The, the notable thing that I thought she referenced in, I would have to go back and check. I think this is the first time that a major presidential, at this level in the general election, that a vice president or a president has said that the decriminalization of marijuana would be a part of their platform on criminal justice reform. I know people have mentioned it. I don't know that anyone has actually made it an issue and said they're going to focus on it. So I thought that was pretty interesting on her part. I have not heard that out of Biden. I've heard some of the other things like banning chokeholds and some of those other things. But decriminalizing marijuana would be a very big and a very interesting thing. I didn't see anybody talking about it afterwards, so. I, but I thought it was notable because I have not seen anything of that nature from a major platform. So then um, Pence went through his spiel on this point. I thought this was his weakest part of the night. He um, he talked about you know, he tried to talk about some specific facts of the cases and of that nature. The only way he was really able to hit back, though, was to go right at Harris, which he did towards the end, talking about her record as a district attorney and attorney general, where this is not a an accusation that he's making. This is an accusation that minorities in California have made against her, that she jailed far more black people under her time as district attorney and attorney general than she did any other race. And it was over things like, you know, petty offenses involving marijuana. And so they, that attack wasn't original to Pence. This is the one that that uh, that Harris got hit with in the Democratic primaries when Tulsi Gabbard just flat out hammered her and Harris was flummoxed and didn't have an answer to it. And she really didn't have an answer to that here. She just gave her patented, I'm not going to be lectured by anybody about this, which she tried back then too. The thing is, is that when you read focus groups about Harris, especially with, especially with black voters and any of them that have been in California or that, or that where criminal justice is a major issue for them, this is the exact thing 
that they hit on with her. This is the reason why she's not very popular because they believe she's just a liar on this front because her actions have done one thing and her words have said another. She's not, ironically enough, she's you know Donald Trump is going with the law and order campaign. Ironically enough, you could make a case that that Kamala Harris is far more about law and order than Donald Trump because she just has thrown that many people, more people in jail. I mean, the joke, the internet joke about her is that Kamala is a cop. So I don't know how that's going to end up playing in the end. A lot of that was already well known about her. And it, it's just, that is her, that's what hurts her on the campaign trail. So, and then they, they, they wrapped up talking about elections, transfers of power, which, you know, with Trump, I thought that was pretty meh. Everybody was just kind of wanting to wrap it up. And then they wrapped up with a question from a student that I didn't think, I didn't think it was going to be that great just because it involved a student. But the question ended up allowing Pence to knock another home run very late when because the question was about, you know, when I turn on the TV, I see all this division. What am I supposed to think about this? How can we stay like this as a people? And Pence gave the answer and said, well, you know, I look at Ruth Bader Ginsburg and Antonin Scalia and the relationship that they have. That is what that is our ideal as Americans. And just sort of talked about how we need how we have these harsh and contentious debates as Americans, but then we come back together and are friends like they were, and even was intimating that the, he would be be friends with Harris after this debate, and that was a very powerful answer on his part where he took one of the icons of the left and used it against them, and then Harris just gave one of her patented answers that wasn't very memorable, and that wrapped up the night. So. That was all the substance of the debate. As I said, I think I think Pence won overall. If you were scoring this on a traditional, just on traditional metrics here, this would be Pence and a landslide. The deal is the problem is that these debates, just these vice presidential debates, just do not matter really at all in any case. And so the the thing that could hurt here is that. The Biden campaign and the left in general has tried to build Harris up into this mini cult of personality, trying to make her into something that in reality she's not. Her best moments come when she's able to have a directed hit in a prosecutorial prosecutorial type of mindset and then not have to answer or move away from that. She's very good at very directed, very planned hits. She's not good on her feet. And that came through tonight. She would. She had all the body language of a person who was about to throw a haymaker, and then, I mean, some of them I thought were set up on a tee ball where I thought she could have kind of gone after Pence, and then she just either didn't swing or she somehow missed the tee ball hit. So, she the the way that could hurt her is that this could be her whiffing on this cult of personality that the left is trying to set up on her. But other than that, I don't see anything from this night that's going to just completely and totally upend the race. What it will do is it'll help Trump get get him some positive news cycles out of this because it's going it, Pence did what Trump can't. He made the case for the Trump administration. And he made it very clearly, very coherently. And so if you're on the fence or you're leaning, and I think this could be important because I mentioned in the newsletter this past week that there's this divide between Trump's job approval and what he's getting as a number in these polls. And that showed up again in a, in a poll that came out before the debate from Fox News, where they showed Biden with a 10-point lead, and Trump was around the 42 43% mark. But if you threw in his, in his, uh, his job approval rating, in the Fox News poll, the job approval rating was sitting around 47%, which suggests is that there's about four percentage points there where there are people saying, no, Trump's doing a fine job, but also not supporting him right now, which is very weird. Usually we see for a president that this always lines up. That's why when you're running against an incumbent president, you're doing everything in your power as a challenger to sink that approval rating. You need people to think he's doing a bad job because if people think he's doing above 50%, his support's probably going to match that and he's going to win. So you've got to sink that. And so this suggests that there is some Trump curious votes there who are saying that they're not going to vote for him right now. But if you put them in a voting booth, they'd probably end up voting for him and his numbers would probably match that job approval rating. So what Pence does here is he makes the case to that group of people and says, okay, come home, vote for Trump. 
we may, he may not be showing up in the polls, but just come on and vote for him. So that's what Pence can do for this. You have that case. Fox News will be playing these clips. You would hope Trump doesn't do or say anything. They would step on this moment for Pence. And that's how it could help in the long haul. Whether or not that happens, I don't know. These typically don't matter. Like I said, the most important moment in a debate was with involved Dan Quayle, and Dan Quayle ended up winning that race with George H.W. Bush. And so, you know, these things just don't matter. People are voting based on who's on the top of the ticket, not on the second tier. Everyone's tried to, you know, pump this one up and say, well, these guys are old, so maybe this matters more. They tried that in 2016, too, because both Clinton and Trump then, they were old then, too. And it didn't matter. I I can't tell you one thing that happened in the Pence-Cain debate. No one remembers it. That was a very, if there ever was the blandest of vanilla debates that ever existed, it was that one. So those are my overall thoughts on the whole race. Pence, I think, won it. I think he won it pretty cleanly. I don't think Harris did anything to hurt her campaign. The big moment for the right will be will be that court packing thing. That's going to be everywhere because this is now two debates in a row that they've decided not to answer this question. And it's been a pointed decision to not answer this. And so I don't think that's wise. I think you need to have an answer for it. And so because they are purposely dodging it, that's going to... And it's so conspicuous that they're not that they're not answering it. And Trump and Biden are making it a big issue that it makes them seem far more evasive and untrustworthy. And I saw briefly in just some one word descriptions of what people thought of Pence and they thought of Harris. They were describing Pence as far more presidential, calm, collected. Those were the word one word answers for him and for Paris. Harris. It was evasive, nervous, uh, blame shifting, just all those sorts of things that you wouldn't want your your con- your VP to be described as. So I think this hurt Harris, and I, that's just who she is. She's not a good debater. She's never been a good debater. She's not a good speaker. I thought it was a mistake for for Biden to pick her in the first place. This should have been Cory Booker, who would have matched the would have matched Pence, you know, point for point in this one. Because even though I think Booker overall is a lightweight on a lot of things, he at least has a likable personality and he's magnetic and great on television. And if you let him pull that out on a debate, you probably win this one walking. It, it's At a minimum, it's tied, and he probably ends up winning it just because Pence is very robotic. And so if you get anybody with any personality on the stage, it makes him look worse. And that didn't happen tonight. That didn't happen tonight. He'd have to worry about it. And so he got to act the sort of gentleman-type figure to Kamala Harris, shaking her head and doing all the things that lost her the primaries in those debates. So those are my overall thoughts. I think Pence won it pretty easily. That's pretty much got all I've got for this one, for the, the fly debate. Make sure to subscribe to the newsletter. That's going to be coming out on Friday. I've got to work on that at some point tomorrow and get that started. And I've got the columns coming out on Friday as well at the Conservative Institute. So, you know, make sure to sign up, get all that. You will get that. And then I will see you guys in the next episode on probably do the recording next Sunday. So hope you guys enjoyed. It was good to do another one of these. See you guys later.